Hello, and welcome to another edition of Hey Ladies. First of all, I'm so sorry there is such a long gap between episodes, but do not worry. We are back and have plenty of radical interviews that will be coming your way in the next few weeks. Uh, Speaking of radical ladies, this week I got a chance to chat with Mia Martina and Julie Gillis, two of the producers of Bedpost Confessions here in Austin. Uh, If you've never had a chance to check them out, it's a fantastic show. Uh, It's very smart. It's very sexy. uh, It's spoken stories on stage um, about... Anything from fiction, sex stories, true stories, it's uh, usually quite a laugh as well, uh, so I definitely recommend checking it out. But Post Confessions is managed by Sarah Henry and produced by Rosie Q, Sadie Smythe, Julie, and Mia, and the next show is Thursday, October 16th at the North Door, so you can definitely go and check that out. Well, thank you so much for being on Hey Ladies. Uh, it's a podcast project that I've started to interview some fantastic artists and performers and people who are just moving and shaking um, as women, uh, specifically here in Austin, uh, I've seen you guys perform at Bedpost, which I love and I hype all the time, and I tell my friends that they need to go every single month. Um, so I guess I'd love to well, like, introduce yourselves and then um, talk a little bit about how you guys got together, started the project, and I guess what inspired you know Bedpost Confessions. Sure. Uh, you want to go first? You were... Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm Mia Martina. Um, I did a podcast myself. I want your sex for many years. It's now retired. Although you can listen to a couple episodes on my site. Um, and let's see how it started. Was just kind of the right time in the right place. Meaning of the minds. Um, I moved here about four years ago and met Sadie. Or Sadie and I had been friends on Twitter. And uh, we met in person and basically from that first meeting started talking about doing a, um, some sort of reading series event on sexuality. Um, through that, she uh, knew of Julie and Julie was a great contact um, to bring on board in terms of someone who's in the community, really involved in the theater community, improv community, and the um, LBGTQ, T, every. All the letters. All the letters in the alphabet (laughs) soup uh, community. And and then we also uh, met with Rosie as well, who Sadie and Rosie had been talking about it um, a couple years prior to my moving there. So it was kind of just um, getting us all together. And it happened really quickly. Um, From the time that I first moved here, which was in May, Sadie and I met like in June. We met with Rosie in July, I think met with... Julie in July, and our first show was in September. That's so, awesome. Mm-hmm. It, it went really Dive in head first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. And I'm Julie Gillis, and what I recall about that time period was just that no one else was really doing an erotic reading series of any sort, mm-hmm. or burlesque shows, and a few art shows, I think, with the Octopus Club and Aid Services Austin that focused on sexuality, and Forbidden Fruit had done a kind of a festival once a year, but nothing that was regular and focused on the literary or the spoken word. Mm -hmm. Now, Sadie and Mia and Rosie had the idea, and I'm not, I don't remember who it came from, to do the confessions. That came came just spontaneously from a meeting that we had at Spider House Mm -hmm. that you actually just left early, so you just missed it. But (laughs) this is is the problem with children. (laughs) But um, but it happened spontaneously. Like basically, this woman was um, hearing us talk and plan and like and was like kept hearing the word sex pop up, you know. Mm -hmm. And was like, I just gotta ask, what are y'all talking about? We told her about the event, and then she. 
um, was like, well, I got, I got a story for you and launched into this whole basic confession. Mm -hmm. And then that's when we were like, you know, I think we should maybe have this be a part of the show. Well, she really gets the prize, I think, because without the, I mean, I wouldn't say without the confessions, we wouldn't have a show, but it's really added this huge component Mm -hmm. to people getting to come into this space and hear someone tell a story, but also take a risk themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like we've all over the years talked about the power of storytelling, but there's something also too about hearing your story read, even if no one knows it's you, just those words are in the ether. They're out there now. They, they've left the building. They're free to go, you know, create their own magic. And when someone reads them, there's a validation that occurs. And that and, and they're they're fun and funny and yeah. poignant. And I think it gives the audience something special. It does. It's, it's still my favorite part of the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's mm-hmm. also a fun part of the show where it's the, pr- the producers that read the confessions. And we, we curate them and we pick out, like, four or five that we want to read. But mm-hmm. I don't know... When I go up with Julie, I don't know her confessions, and she doesn't know mine. And so, so it's, it's all this, genuine reactions yeah, to each other. Yeah, it's a genuine improv moment, mm-hmm. and to play <laughs> off of each other, and that's that's always really fun as well. And sometimes in any given month, you'll, there'll be a theme. Yeah. So there'll be someone talking about, you know, swinging, and there'll be five different, six different confessions about <laughs> swinging, and different handwriting, so you know it's not the same person. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, anal sex, like, the, the like, I love it, one. I'm scared of it, I've tried it, I hate it, like, it, that's, and, like, and so there'll be all these different confessions from, you know, where everybody is with that. That's or, one of the big, um, I don't know, polarizers. It is, anal sexes, yeah. Do, do you guys watch, um, the Mindy Project, Mindy Callings TV show? I've seen it here and there. Yeah, so, sometimes, yeah. So her episode... Um, from this week was all about anal sex and I thought it was so smart the way they never said the words anal or anal sex it just like has this moment where it's like their clothes are on the floor and you just see the corner of the bed and it's her being like that doesn't go there (laughs) and then being like it was a slip it was a slip I'm so sorry and they talk about it the whole episode and like it was it just it made me laugh really hard and I was like way to talk about this without talking about this so that you can get this on network television absolutely and it it can go there it just has to go there carefully and with the consent of both parties and Mm -hmm. with a lot of patience and lubricant yes (laughs) yes definitely um I I love the confession aspect of the show I'm also a very avid um Mm post-secret reader I got to go to one of those um sessions he does the college tour and when Mm -hmm. I was in school he he stopped by and it's so emotional and like you almost feel this urge to even go up and share your secret yourself you know and um I was reading with Lena Dunham's new book coming mm-hmm. out, and she was talking about uh, how she gets stigmatized for oversharing sometimes. And she's like, but I feel like through my oversharing, other people can come forward with their stories that are really important, and they can write about them or they can talk about them. Um, have any of the performers um, ever gotten maybe too emotional on stage when they're giving their presentation? I know that you guys work with them on mm. um, their performance. I'm trying to think. Um, A lot of the pieces skew towards the comedic. So I don't know that we've had a lot of people on stage get emotional in the sense of like crying, Mm -hmm. per se. Although I think, I remember Sadie telling a story once and kind of choking up about the the young man and smoking. And just sort of the power of like him being vulnerable with her. And Mm -hmm. this is a story about a particular kind of fetish. but 
I know that there have been moments I've watched and felt emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley's piece comes to mind. The, yeah. She was talking about um, eating mango and having some of her first experiences with cunnilingus on a, with a woman and getting a rash on her face and thinking that she was allergic to cunnilingus and God was punishing mm-hmm. her and it was a lot of Catholicism and mm-hmm. um, focus on like going to confession. And then she talks about how she knew she couldn't lie in the confessional because she wasn't ashamed of what she had done. And I remember being really moved by that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it was mango. She's allergic to mango. Mm-hmm. So then you're all laughing. <laughs> so, um, I think this show generally tends to be relatively yeah. like uplifting. So I don't know that we've ever had someone who couldn't finish a piece or mm-hmm. couldn't talk about a piece. But I've heard after afterwards how much telling the story has changed a life or changed the trajectory of um, artistic work. Jay Bird is doing a show this right. weekend, who in part is um, compiled from many pieces he's done for us. So I'm really excited to see yeah. that. You know, that's that's kind of amazing to yeah. know that you helped someone birth something. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of vulnerability on the stage, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that it's broken down with somebody not being able to complete the piece. Yeah. you know. But there's there's been a lot of people talking some about some really sensitive stuff in mm-hmm. terms of body and illness and abortion Mm -hmm. you know that were just very heavy um and the the crowd is with them through throughout it you know um yeah i'm when i've been i'm always so amazed at how um intent and how closely everyone's usually listening to all the stories and i find it to be a fantastic change because i found that a lot of concerts people talk too much for me but um uh, so I really enjoy that that atmosphere. How do you guys curate um, the stories that you're bringing in to people approach you, um, especially when you're first starting out, you know, trying to get people involved with this project? Well, um, I think we did a lot of outreach at the beginning, and then people found us. Yeah. So Sadie met Asia Day. I don't know. No, Asia Day, I think he's, he saw the poster at his gym. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so people who... Um, People who had an interest in sex wound up finding us, which yeah. was kind of performers kind of too, because like Asia Day is an example of somebody who's a performer who has sexually explicit material, and it was like, oh, maybe this is an, a venue that, <laughs> do that here, is right? appropriate that I won't people won't be shocked at. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we put information out on the blog mm-hmm. and where you can submit, and on the, on Facebook and things like that, and then once we had a kind of a stable of artists that were interested in working with us, we could call on them and say, hey, we haven't heard from you. You want to do a piece around the holidays or do you want to do a piece around Valentine's Day or Mm -hmm. however? Um, But we normally get uh, submissions. We want to try to get the the show set two or three months in advance, if at all possible. Mm -hmm. That's for everybody's health and wellness. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because we want to see if there are themes that pop up. So like this month, for example... We're starting off with Mia, who's doing a true story. And then we're going to be talking to a woman who's going to be talking about stories and how sexual stories are really good for women. Mm -hmm. And then there'll be a woman who's talking about how a sexual story helped her. And then there's someone who's telling a fiction story that has to do with sex. So it's kind of like a a meta journey of Mm -hmm. like how storytelling and fiction and and the paths of reality and fiction can kind of like change your Mm -hmm. life. And that, you know, was sort of beautiful how that came out. Yeah, about. it always tends to come about. There tends to a theme, even mm-hmm. though we don't make a call for themes, mm-hmm. it kind of comes out. Yeah. But, 
And then there's people like, you know, who submit something and then it's either too short or too long and we work with them to um, get it to the right amount for our stage and, and uh, help them with editing and, and coaching them mm-hmm. and all that. Um, so I have to say one of my favorite parts is actually the um, sign language interpreters on the side there. So fantastic and also funny and I think that they really work with it. And I ended up seeing... Um, he is, he's the bald, younger guy. Austin, He yeah. was interpreting at um, the Oddball Comedy Festival mm. like a couple weeks ago. And even all the comedians just kept being like, what's the word for boner? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then like did. Whitney Cumming was doing this whole segment on um, squirting. And every time the girl did the sign for squirting, she just lost it. She's like, I can't even look at you. This is, she's like, I'm so glad you are here, but you're going to steal my show because this is right. hilarious. Right. We've had, actually, I think we've had moments that were accidentally yeah. comedic where the, yeah. you know, the teller is doing, doing their thing and then Austin or Jessica or Mandy is like, do, 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 do. And the audience starts to laugh because, yeah. not, you know, it actually yeah. can heighten a comedic piece. Yeah. It can. There's, and there's performers who like to work with specific um, ASL interpreters and mm-hmm. they play with, you know, each other. Mm-hmm. But, that sounded a little inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> they play they, off of they each play other. They play off of each other. That's <laughs> yeah, better, yes. yes. They do play yeah. off of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because my understanding when we first got started working with the interpreters was that traditionally the interpreter is a, more of a, a tool. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to introduce them. And they said, don't introduce us because normally you don't say, here is Jessica, mm-hmm. the interpreter, because she is there to transmit Mm -hmm. um but the rules have sort of been bent and broken in many (laughs) many ways and the audience that comes and the the people who come to to utilize the interpreters don't seem to mind that and in fact i think they've enjoyed how playful um it is Mm -hmm. it's sort of naturally developed Mm -hmm. i mean i remember think i I forgot about them in that way of what you're talking about is that they are there to do a job and Mm -hmm. I saw them as reporting to do a job (laughs) and not necessarily a performance you know and Mm -hmm. now they're much more a part of the show and in the fabric Mm -hmm. of the and and Mm -hmm. the performance bit of it which which I I think it's important for them to be a a piece of the fabric and I think you know when we talk about accessibility around sexuality and our um, our feelings and emotions and how our culture deals with sexuality it's important to think about who isn't being represented and who isn't in, in, in the room, isn't mm-hmm. able to be in the room, um, and who becomes kind of invisible. Sure. Right? Uh, we live in a culture that is highly focused on youth and um, physical fitness mm-hmm. and uh, traditional-looking bodies, and if you have someone who is in a wheelchair, is differently abled, is hearing impaired, is blind, um, has maybe an invisible disability but is limited somehow is not seeing mm-hmm. themselves then we're missing out on pleasure in the body and everybody's body so we're I think we're always seeking people who want to perform and, and work with us in that way of course you know we have to work with the ND too and be like hey we need a ramp up to this stage right you mm-hmm. know things like that because mm-hmm. the accessibility issue is really important to us that's great um do you guys ever have any backlash over, or maybe when you're first starting? Since I know we think Austin is this nice little blue bubble in the middle of Texas, mm-hmm. but there is still that kind of conservative bloodline that runs through. And have you encountered any um, issues with any of that? Yeah. Not with conservativeness, mm-hmm. which no. I mean, we were really sort of 
prepared for that. And well, I don't know how prepared we were, but we would talk about it a lot mm-hmm, and right. say like, oh, maybe this poster design isn't the best one because of where we are. Maybe this, uh, we should be careful and cautious. What are the, the laws on nudity at the bar mm-hmm. right. for movies, you know, and like, or like letting letting someone use a stage name or not putting them up on the podcast if they don't right. want that. Mm-hmm. You know, someone maybe only wants to be scheduled in the summer because they teach and they don't want their students knowing mm-hmm. about it. Or, right. Um, so it's more of an accommodation, I think, rather than having anyone directly come at us. Mm-hmm. What I've found more are two things. I've found that there's a group of people that wants there to be more political conversation and there's mm-hmm. a group of people that wants yeah. less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so people that are like, you know what, you might not want to use that word because that actually that particular word actually is offensive to a group of people and your artist used that word and so we're like, oh, oh, we okay. Yeah. Thank you for telling us. And then I've had people say, there's too much of a political moment. We don't want that. And I don't, I'm here to do this. So right. that's the tension I see is like too much, not enough. And we try to strike a balance of well, there is going to be politics because the body is political. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Texas is currently waging war against pretty much everybody. Yeah. Um, so that's just sort of happening. Um, but we don't want to have it be also like a drumbeat over everybody's head in every single piece. Because I think, and I think we, Sadie and Mia, yeah. agree that um, it, you have to be able to create a space where people are comfortable to learn. Too much, okay. not going to happen, not enough, right. not going to happen. Right. So. And we've had some people call out in the audience, the people that are not interested in the political moment, you know, they that was one time when I was emceeing and they this guy in the front row was just like, No, don't do the political moment. Let's get back to the fun stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I just was like, What are you talking about? We're, Can't course, politics also be sexy and Yeah, <laughs> we're we're doing this and you need to pipe down, you know? And that's the sort of backlash yeah. that I think I think at least I was expecting it more to be from more of the right-wing conservative being like, oh, look at these, like, whorish ladies or whatever they were going to say about us, you know? (laughs) And there's not been any of that. If anything, Mm -hmm. it has been in the community itself of either saying exactly this tension of, like, I want to be, this is supposed to be entertaining, not educational. And then people were saying, actually, I really like the education. I see this as a great resource and I want more of it. So. Well, we really, I would say, um, built, the, the platform is a mix of entertainment, ethics, and education. Leading to empowerment. The four E's. The four E's. Yeah. <laughs> I just made that up and I talked to my boss about it once and she was like, oh, those E's are great, you know, so. Um, but yeah, the, the show is always going to be entertaining and there may be more ethics in one evening, more education in one evening. Maybe it's just a silly night. Sometimes it's just a silly night. Uh, but I think it, it gives people um, the potential to integrate all of those pieces. And I'm a, a really big proponent of you know, political action that is longitudinal, right? So it's like this is gonna be this is gonna take a period of time. And we have built mm-hmm. with our audience's participation, I think a really strong community of people who feel free to create art, share art, listen to art, get involved. People have, we've heard people are like, I'm doing political activism now and I never did it before. I'm writing and I never did it before. So to me, that is longer term change. We don't know where that'll go, but right. I, but I believe that um, we have a fertile ground to help 
promote that. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I like that. So we're gonna always do something political, yeah. for sure. And kind of on um, a more personal level, do you ever any backlash from your partners or lovers, family members who maybe <laughs> um, have any issues with what um, you're sharing? Because mm. um, I've I found bedpost really inspiring, so I started to try and write some short stories. And um, you know, it's kind of I'm always thinking like, well, what if this person is there? <laughs> like, oh, right, right. <laughs> or um, you know trying to talk over something with my current partner and he's just like, ah, I don't really want to know. I don't want to listen to it. I'm probably not going to come if you tell this story. Right. So, um, you know, like how does that influence you guys? Um, me personally, I have tended to write more of the, I would say the like political observational pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, I did write it. What was the piece that I did around my birthday? It was like the 44 Confessions. 44 Confessions. Yeah. I did 44 personal confessions because I didn't. I felt like I hadn't shared that much. Um, I think I actually did get kind of emotional in that one. And someone was like, you did. You did, you did, you did actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say that Chris probably, my husband Chris probably would like to just get to go to a show with me instead of having me running around <laughs> producing. Yeah. Um, that we're usually, you know, the cooks are in the kitchen rather than mm-hmm. enjoying the feast kind of thing. Or, mm-hmm. um, I think there may be an illusion out there, and maybe, maybe we don't want to break that illusion. I don't know. I think the ladies are going to be like, hell yeah, this show is so sexy, sexy ladies after the sexy show. And we're like, oh my God. I just so want to pass that. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody gets to go and have a good time, but um, I wouldn't say backlash. And I haven't had a piece that I've wanted to write that would be about negative about my husband. He's done two pieces, three pieces, two or three. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they weren't about me. They were about times in his life that I knew about and thought were, was amazing and interesting. And, um, luckily, you know, there wasn't yeah. something that was like a bombshell. Or, <laughs> no. Who knows? Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I mean, the, my husband has no problem listening to, I mean, he helped me write my book or I shouldn't say write it. He helped like produce it and Mm -hmm. um, he's helped edit it. He's a very talented, creative um, sort of director type person. So he's Mm -hmm. always been involved in my endeavors, which have mostly been sex based. (laughs) So, um, but I would say in terms of bedposts specifically, it's not really the stories, it's probably the time mm-hmm. and the energy. He doesn't even come to the show anymore because it's not a time that we really get to spend together. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm producing it. Um, and maybe I'll be stressed uh, or I'm just not focused on him, mm-hmm. you know? And, I'm not, and so he was very active in it in the beginning and um you know going and helping setting up chairs when we were still kind of doing that sort of stuff and um and now he's just like yeah go do your thing you know now that we have a kid it's also like it's It's, nice it's just hard to cover time yeah Mm -hmm. it's just nice to go and just go and do my own thing and just let it be Mm -hmm. and you know he loves to hear about it but he's not like he's not 
if anything, it's more like that. Like it's it's coming back and like from the show and being exhausted. It's not like the show is like what I think it's for audience members more because we get confessions about it. It's mm-hmm. like, it invigorates. It invi- yeah. like it's not like the show is like oh yes, like let's <laughs> fuck right now. You it's know? like the <laughs> show is our sexual experience and we're done. After. We've, yeah, we've had sex. We've had the show. The show. It's funny you say that to because down. He's, he has recognized that and that's part. He's like I that. Yeah, like like Chris maybe maybe they were like oh they're gonna come home and they're gonna yeah and we're like we are taking a bath exactly (laughs) having a glass of milk exactly Um, but that's an interesting thing I think that would be kind of a a cool piece to write about long term relationships and how they change over time in terms of like my time your time our time stages of of romantic connection and when you did everything together as a new couple. Versus now I want to do my thing and your thing and a kid thing and how that particular geometry affects mm-hmm. sexual desire. Because it doesn't necessarily kill it. It really changes what the landscape of sexual desire and, um, and passion looks like. And our culture does, I think, a, a poor job of protecting the sexual and romantic relationship in a long-term relationship. Um, we're supposed to be the end-all, be-all to each other in every step. And uh, that's not always the case. Yeah. But you can still have these things. They just, they look different. Yeah. Especially with toddlers. Especially, especially <laughs> with toddlers. Yeah. Great. Um, well, you are both absurdly busy ladies. Um, so I want to keep you here too much longer. But if you ha- do you have any, um, you know, last words for the listeners? Or what's uh, what are you looking forward to um, in the show this month? I, I love that we're, we're doing this arc of like, sort of a, a, a non-fictionalized true story into a more academic frame, into a more, like, this book helped me to a fiction piece. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting arc. Um, and some of it's, like, darker than normal. Just a fiction piece will be yeah. a, little, a little darker. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm looking, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what next year brings. I think we're going to do some cool, interesting things, different things, and we're, we're burbling away, and yeah I would just say for anybody who's thinking about submitting something um, mm-hmm. please get in touch you know um, we're always looking for new submissions um, so it's generally about 1500 words and you know like we've been talking it can be political it can be personal it can be erotic fiction historical um, historical yeah those have been some good pieces um, so there's that and then yeah, come to the show. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Great. Sure. Is. Third Thursday um, at the ND, ten bucks. Not a bad night. Not. It is not a bad night. Great night. Thank you so much to my hopeful couple of listeners out there. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Hey Ladies this week. If you ever have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions for people you think I should interview, please let me know. You can hit me up at heyladiespodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks.